Welcome to 300 Yards to Unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there is Eric Patterson. What up, Epat? What's going on, Rick? It's been a while since we've talked. Uh, a lot has happened since the last time we got together. So got a lot, probably, probably a few too many storylines to break down in 30 minutes, but uh, I'm sure we'll touch on a lot of stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, so we had a week where uh, I didn't have internet for a couple of days, so we couldn't connect then. And then the last week, I the, shoddy internet. <laughs> the lost episode where we recorded and never released it. So fingers crossed that this one here gets out to the general public. People got to hear our takes. They've been dying for them. That's right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into this coming off the first major of the season. Uh that PGA Championship was, quite frankly, Epat, exactly what we deserved in 2020 to have, what, eight, nine different guys touch the lead at some point on Sunday, have there be iconic shots from Colin Morikawa, like have this young stud just emerge onto the major scene. Like that That was everything. Yeah, it was uh, a fun, fun week from start to finish. Um, definitely something we've, yeah. We've been clamoring for this type of action. It was fun that it was a packed leaderboard, but obviously Morikawa eventually separated himself from the pack, but like start to finish, like how long ago does it feel like Bryson broke his driver? Remember when that happened? Wow. Was, yeah. What day was that? Thursday or Friday? It was Thursday or Friday, but like so much happened since and just, yeah, the weekend was a blast. So many big names. Um, Morikawa though, like you can't, you can't say enough good things about him, about his, about his future. He's now, getting drawn comparisons to like now he's in the conversation. It was before it was the conversation about him versus Wolf, him versus uh, Hovland. Now it's like him, JT, him, John Rom, which is pretty elite, uh, elite company to be, to be in at only 23 years old. I, I mean, the, the historical context of what he has done in, I don't know, 30, 31, uh, professional starts, whatever it has been, is is really second. You know, it's like second to Tiger or third to Tiger and Jack. I mean, it, it is it is really unbelievable uh, what he's been able to accomplish and, and the way he did it. Right? I mean, he chips in on. I guess it had to be like 14. Yeah. yeah. And then he hits the shot of his life, the shot of the year where he pulls driver on 16, hits it to seven feet, and oh by the way, just rolls in the eagle putt. Yeah, like if he didn't make that eagle putt. He had a similar shot at, I don't know if it was the, I guess it was the work day in that final group with, with JT and, and Hovland. Um, he didn't make the eagle putt, so that shot wasn't as remembered, but you have to finish, you got to finish the job. And he, he even said that in a post-round interview. He just said like, you know, I, I obviously hit that great shot, but if I don't make that eagle putt, then an, a one-shot lead is so much different than a, a two-shot lead with a, a couple holes holes remaining. So he knew how big that putt was. And man, his putting, like, I couldn't believe how many putts he was dropping. Even early in the round, he was making par putts to to keep himself um, keep himself afloat that he typically doesn't make or hasn't made in his short career. So if he if he putts like he did, I don't know, once a month, uh, he's he's going to be winning like at a very high clip. Yeah, I have it here. I mean, he right. He led the field in uh, strokes gain putting. He was eighth in putting average. I mean, three putt avoid. I mean, like every putting stat that you want to roll through uh, at the PGA Championship, Morikawa did it. And and um, I don't have the number in front of me, but I looked this up. He really only needs to gain like two strokes putting in an event, which for him is a lot considering he's a below average putter. Uh, but like 
of the six times he's gained at least two strokes, he's won like half of them. Like he's that's all his. The rest of his game is so strong. If he just is a an above average putter, and you don't even have to go nuclear like he did at the PGA Championship, he's going to win a lot of golf tournaments. I mean, what what were his odds to be? What would his odds have been to lead the field in strokes game putting? Like after his performances at everyone remembers that Charles Schwab putt, and maybe that's. Um, unfair to like kind of criticize him just based on like one missed three footer but even like uh there was guys tweeting out because he missed like a two or three footer early in the week so he it wasn't all you know it wasn't perfect but i mean he he put it together on the weekend it was uh a force to be reckoned with if he's if he's putting like that and the short king comes around because like yeah his approach game wasn't even up to up to par or what he, uh, what we've seen him so far so it's a pretty pretty impressive win i mean I've I can't remember the last time. So I guess it would have been uh, Spieth when he was 21, or, or Rory back in like 2012. So these, that's the uh, category he's in right now. The putt that he made, he made the putt on 18 at workday to get into a playoff with JT was like two and a half feet, and he like yeah. barely snuck it in the side corner. Yeah. Like so, so he, there's he's he's learning from like everything that he's done though, which I find like very, I mean. That's what the greats do, right? Like he lost to Daniel Berger Colonial in a playoff. He comes out and wins in his next playoff. And now he's like his, I don't know if there was a clip of him. I guess it was after he won. He just talked about like, you know, this is my time. Um, Something special is going to happen. And he was standing on the 16th tee and he's like, why not me? And it's just like, man, this guy, he's has no fear at 23 battling DJ and some of those other big names at the top. Um, just has that winning winning mentality like he knows how good he is and he knows he is special and he can pull off those types of shots so it's a yeah he's a quickly becoming a, a favorite of mine i mean it's not it's a, not a popular thing but he's or it's a popular thing i'm just like he's uh there's so much to like about him and his game and his attitude yeah he is uh definitely much more mature for 23 years old than you would than you would think he's he's got he's got everything uh brooks kepka after talking smack after uh, Saturday's round, trying to get into the mind of Dustin Johnson, which I will tell you, uh, that's a fool's errand. You should not try like he DJ doesn't care if you poke him. Um, goes out and shoots the second worst score of the day. Uh, not necessarily great to be talking smack and not be able to back it up. That was a tough, a tough look. Who had the worst uh, round of the day? Do you know? Jim Jim Herman shot a seventy five. <laughs> Jamie Herman and Brooks Kepka, a couple, couple heavy hitters. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> I don't understand why why Brooks had to take the swings there. You know, he just just say you're in a good position. You like where you're sitting. You're only a couple shots back, and you think you can pull it off. You don't have to start going after DJ. Maybe like I know that the relationship or the friendship that DJ and him had, I guess, is a little more media created than in real life. But I mean, you didn't really need to go go take those types of shots. Cause if he just stayed silent, it would have been a, a lot. Maybe he put himself out there. He made himself vulnerable to this type of criticism and it, it backfired in a big way. It certainly did. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting, right? Like I think, I think this could have worked if it was Bryson. I think if you get into Bryson's head, it's over, right? Like, the, like he's kind of, I think you can do that. Like we know that DJ heard what he said because it was kind of referenced, but like, I don't think DJ cares. So I don't know why all the effort went into it where there was like three different occasions in three different interviews. He said like something that was clearly aimed at DJ, but like, Dustin Johnson doesn't care. I don't. I feel like it was just a lot of work for not a lot of of result. 
It's true. He was because um, they do a few interviews after the round, I guess. They do like CBS and then they'll talk to like the media center guys. And he said the same thing pretty much verbatim in both of them. So it's like it wasn't just like an off the cuff remark. Like he was hammering at home. And yeah, Rory, Rory alluded to this. He's like, I don't think DJ gives a shit about anything that anyone's saying about him. Like he just. Yeah, it, nothing, nothing bothers DJ. So that was just a, a very weird swing. But I mean, interesting from a drama perspective going forward and everyone was like you guys americans they wonder why they're struggling to win Ryder cups and this is like kind of how your team is treating each other and you know bryson versus brooks bryson versus dj reed in this mix like i don't know not not a lot of not a not a friendly group it doesn't sound like no there's not a lot of cohesion on the american squad right now yeah i thought it was interesting that rory came to the defense of DJ and was like, oh yeah, he has like three times as many wins as you do, Brooks. Like, I'm pretty sure this is not the guy to be barking up the tree with. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. I also think it's interesting, this is a completely different topic, but it came out, uh, I think it was during this media um uh, during like Thursday media or maybe on Wednesday, someone asked Rory when the last time he paid for golf was. Yeah. And, he, and he said it was what, 2000, like 2000, it was, it was like 10 years ago or 15 years ago or something, right? Yeah, Valderrama, I forget the year, he paid like 200 euro, which seems like a lot. I don't know why they wouldn't have let him on. Uh, I think he like, I want to say 2007, that seems like way too long ago. It, it might have been, it was probably like 20, 2011. I thought it was 2005, but that would have been even longer ago. So <laughs> I see. But he was, he was such a big deal in Europe back then. Like he could have just kind of walked up to any course, number one amateur in the world, let me in. So I'm sure it would have worked, but. Yeah, it's uh, it is weird to think about these guys just playing like five hundred dollar course after five hundred dollar course and uh, getting paid to do it. Pretty pretty good gig. Here you go, uh, Valderrama, two thousand five. So Rory was a sixteen year old amateur uh, and still four years away from his first professional win. Now, if you want to play Valderrama now, it is four hundred euros, which is four hundred and seventy one. USD. I don't know what that is in Canadian, oh, Epat. How's uh, the how's the exchange rate these that's days? That's probably four figures. There you go. That's a that's a pretty penny. Yeah, that's a pretty penny. Um, okay, which only then makes me wonder when if when has when's the has Tiger Woods ever paid for a round of golf himself? And and the and the argument would be this: uh, his dad probably paid every round up to the point where he was like when he was what. 15 i don't know what like everyone knew who he was like there's a there is a chance tiger woods has never ever paid for a round of golf so yeah i'm I'm actually reading that tiger woods book and it sounds like his dad like kind of hustles the head pro kind of puts him he was putting like tiger he'd go to like the range or let him hit balls and like kind of promote his son like watch this watch this let my kid play here for free and like we'll draw attention to your course type thing so it sounded like Tiger was getting into courses or getting lessons from pros at like when it free at the age of like five. So um, I would be interested. I was, I'm wondering uh, if Tiger pays like membership dues and stuff like that. I don't know what his deal is at like uh, the Floridian or what was that course they played for the match? Uh, drawing a blank, but like, does he uh, the medalist? So yeah, like, is he paying his membership dues? I don't know if he has to do that or not. Yeah, I don't know if there's no some idea. arrangement where it's like, hey, maybe you just pay like this one time thing and we'll like add these T's for you or like, I, I don't know. I can't imagine <laughs> they're tracking. You just think about it. Tiger, Tiger, you just give him like 10 million. It's like nothing. And he's good for life. Build me a course like it, it, endless money. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was medalist where um, 
they were like, Phil, it was somewhere, but there was like, Phil's not a member here, but like they're right. working out the details. Right. I'm like, what details have to be worked out? Like he has the money <laughs> if you're going to charge him. Also, if you're not going to charge him, what are we even worth? Like, what are the details that need to be worked that was, out? That was the, uh, that was, that's Michael Jordan's course, the Grove uh, 23, I think it is. But yeah, like Phil Mickelson places a call to be a member. Okay, you're in. I don't know. I don't know what the details are. Maybe, maybe a couple couple credit card transfers or whatever but yeah it should have been should should be pretty easy to get mickelson and tiger into any club they want do they need a uh, a current member to vouch for them <laughs> like what are we what are we talking about here uh so good uh how about this epat uh we we rail on golf coverage all the time and i still believe it is not great by any stretch of the imagination but i want to tell you the report came out for the shot chart on CBS on Sunday, and they showed 1.69 shots per minute, which doesn't sound like a lot. I will tell you that just looking at the number. But I will also say that is the most of any major since this guy started tracking it uh, six years ago. And the previous high was the 2017 Masters. Uh, So I I don't know what to take from this, whether this is – great that we saw more shots than we've ever seen in a final round of a major or if this is still not good enough when you say 1.69 shot like i'd like to know how many shots they're showing when the coverage is on like 1.69 shots per minute sounds like nothing like what is that two two shot three shots per two minutes pretty much like you sit there for two minutes and you only see three shots that doesn't seem like a lot but when the coverage is actually rolling you're obviously seeing a lot more action and I think this is probably a byproduct of the fact that there are so many guys in the mix that they had to show more shots, maybe probably more shots that are like delayed or tape delayed or whatever they do, um, which a lot of people were kind of barking about, about because I forget, I think Bryson Finau, like they'll show Bryson's shot quote unquote live and then it'll land in the fairway and they already, and there's Finau's ball sitting there. And then they cut back to Finau. Here's Finau's drive. It's like, all right, we just saw this ball in the middle of the fairway. We don't, or just show them in order. But um, yeah, that's that was my little rant there. I, it's good to see that they're improving. I think uh, it still doesn't seem like a lot of shots, but it's the best since this guy's recording the data. I guess that's a, a step in the right direction. I do think that it has a lot to do with eight guys who were basically touching the lead and they had to show all of these guys because if, if it was only one or two guys in contention, you the, the storyline would focus around them and you'd see them talk to their caddy more and you'd see them walking off the tee and walking around the green and all that stuff. And and I don't I don't think that like like you cannot show every shot live. Like there are there are 16 guys in eight groups or whatever that are all hitting the ball at the same time. There's no way you're getting live shots. So you're gonna get this happened a moment ago. It sucks. I hate it. It's terrible. But there's no other way around it because guys are playing at the same time. The thing that I thought was most interesting and my biggest peeve uh, about this, EPAT, is when they do the split screen. When they go to commercial and show the eye on the course, I hate that. And I think... And I think it is like a crutch to now you can show more commercials because you're like, oh, we're still showing you coverage. Isn't this good? Um, So I was interested that uh, and this guy broke it down. So they showed 496 shots on the coverage. 33 of them came from the split screen, which I think if you would have 
had me guess that, I would have thought it would have been a lot more than what is that? 5% of them or something like that. I just, I, I hate that. I wish we could get, I guess it's better than not seeing it. I just feel like we go to commercial so much more because we have the opportunity to show golf at the same time. Yeah. It's like when the commercial comes on, I just kind of tune out. Like that's just, I'm naturally, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look away. I'm going to look at my computer or whatever, go to my phone, check shot tracker. So it's just, I pretty I probably miss those shots to begin with. Um, but like, so my, I had a bit of an issue at the end of the coverage. Um, so we didn't see DJ's drive on 16, which he airmailed the green, took a penalty, then he chipped in. Like, I know obviously Morikawa was leading or he was up by two, but the only guy that had a chance to track him down was DJ. If DJ went like birdie, birdie, or I guess the part through, but the 16th is a eagleable. But if he likes eagle there, that's a completely different tournament. Um, and then they were, they were, I don't think they showed DJ play number 17, which I found very odd. They were very focused on Morikawa. They crowned him the champion when there were still guys on the course, which I seemed like a risky bit of, you know, playing with fire a little bit. Obviously the odds were heavily in his favor, but like we didn't know what DJ was going on. I'm, I'm at, at home trying to write like the recap articles, trying to figure out what DJ's at. Did he win by one shot, two shots? And like, I can't find what score DJ was at because the leaderboard wasn't working. They weren't showing DJ. So it was, a bit hectic there. I guess once the guys in the in the clubhouse, or maybe maybe production knew that um, DJ had no chance of catching him. But like for a viewer at home, I kind of want to see. You know, don't just start crowning guys champions until they actually know they're a champion. It was uh, a little bizarre finish to that to that tournament from a from like a results perspective. Until it is mathematically over. Uh, DJ actually was the guy they showed the most shots of. Fifty seven shots on Sunday. Scotty Scheffler, actually 55, was next. Bryson at 54, Morikawa at 52. Uh, Brooks Kepka, <laughs> 17 shots. I guess that was like his first couple of holes, and that was it. And then once he yeah, was out of it, it was him. we never saw him again. From the coverage. Yeah, I think we saw him tap, tap in on 18, and that might have been it. So, again, this is me, a personal bias of mine, because I want to see – Guys, there was so much narrative about uh, you know, guys at minus six who had a chance to make a run, right? Like we were, we were talking about Rose, Day, Berger, Fleetwood. Um, they go to the first hole. They show Berger make a par putt. I think he made like a lengthy par putt. And all that was said about Fleetwood is uh, there's Daniel Berger. He's playing with Tommy Fleetwood today. While Fleetwood was lining up a 13-footer for birdie, like it could have been, obviously it wasn't, but it could have been his first birdie of you know, three straight and put him right in contention. But like, I think they showed two shots of Fleetwoods. He obviously, again, played terrible. But the first hole is like, this is a chance for him to get within two shots of the lead like right away. Um, maybe show the the chance of him him doing that instead of just saying, yeah, he's playing with Tommy Fleetwood today. Uh, I, I wanted to see it. Tommy Fleetwood, uh, two shots, which is the same number <laughs> as Denny McCarthy and Mike Lorenzo Vera. And also slap in the face to the top 15 player in the world. And three shots of Daniel Berger, which I thought was interesting because he they were obviously in that same group. Um, uh, the other thing like, that just before, like to see what is it? More cow was 52 shots. Yes. Kind of kind of crazy that you don't see every shot of the guy uh, who wins the tournament. I don't know. 
It's impossible, but we didn't see. I mean, we okay. So I don't know how many shots DJ took, seventy whatever. But we did not see more than like seventy five percent of any golfer's shots. So it's not like it's not like there was any golfer that we saw every shot for. Which I don't know. Like, is that crazy? Shouldn't we see every shot? Or I guess maybe you have to see the tap ins, but that could. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't need, and sorry. No. This is another thing. How many tap ins did we see? Or how many like you know three footers for par did we see? I don't, I, whenever they cut to those, I always, I honestly just think they're going to miss them because like, it's just, it seems very routine. They could have just said, you know, Matthew Wolf, I guess they were showing a lot of Matthew Wolf's missed tap-ins, but, um, like I, I figure like a lot of those putts are just, you just say, yeah. And, uh, Morikawa cleaned up his par on, on eight and here's his tee shot on nine. And instead they show the putt on eight and not the tee shot on nine. It just seems a little backwards. They love showing putts. Putts are like very boring to me. But but putts are easy to cover. Putts are easy to cover because that's where the cameras are. That's that's. But there's there's cameras on the tees. I mean, <laughs> I get it. I get it. And it's like the final. It's the solidifier of that hole. But I don't need to see two foot tappings all the time. I don't know why. I thought we used to see a lot more split screens during the coverage where like oh, okay bring those back where like where like okay two guys are putting at the same time or like i would rather when it is a two foot tap in or a three foot tap in throw it in the bottom right real small give me give me whatever shot you're about to show next in the split screen and when he taps that in drop it out and go to the full screen especially on a we on a turn like a sunday when there's seven guys sharing the lead like that is there's so much going on with all those leaders you could definitely start mixing in split screens, but I don't think I saw a split screen once. Um, I think that might be more of a NBC thing. Hopefully they bring that in for the, uh, for the U S open. It'll be interesting to see if they want to improve on their shots per minute. I I love this new metric shots per minute. I'm going to be timing it myself. <laughs> yeah. Shots per minute. Uh, let's see if we can get over two. When a golf tournament. Just sit there for a minute when you're watching coverage. And like, if you only see one and one guy's like half swing like that, you've seen nothing. That's not a lot of shots per minute. It's really not. Uh, the other thing that came out of the coverage was this uh, this golf week. I don't even want to call it an article. It's an opinion piece uh, from yeah. from Craig Dolch Dolk. I don't know how he pronounces it, but Craig is not a fan e pat of the f bomb, and he is not a fan of Justin Thomas's f bomb, calling those outbursts quote becoming too much. Let me say this, Craig, get a life, bro. Okay. Like, who cares? Who cares? This is the old old man yells at cloud gif from The Simpsons. This is, I didn't even read that. I just, yeah, laughable comment. I love when, I love when the commentators have to apologize for, oops, that, uh, sorry about that one, They folks. should never I, apologize. That's like, that brings a, just a big grin to my face. I, uh, it's so, just it's a human reaction. These guys are swearing every Every sport, every athlete is dropping f bombs, no matter what they're playing. It happens. Like, Have you ever heard an NBA game? That is like uh, yeah, X rated commentary from those guys, and I love it. I do. I'd play a pay per view for that. But like, get over yourself, Craig. And and um, you're the Scott Van Pelt handles this great. Where he was on there, and I, I don't know. Somebody said something, and he's like, "Well, if you've ever played the game of golf, you know exactly what he's talking about." And I'm like, "Yes, like exactly." Yeah, we. I. I I truthfully didn't get the the ESPN broadcast, but from what I hear and what I illegally streamed for a, a brief moment, it was like night and day better. Like those, it just was more entertaining. Like those those commentators were having like a ton of fun. They were laughing. They were making jokes, poking fun at each other. Um, you know, 
casually calling golf as opposed to, you know, the cookie cutter stuff we get from, from a little like the, the CBS and the NBCs of the world. Like I'm not a broadcast expert, but I was more entertained by ESPN than I was by the CBS crew. If you want to talk about Phil in the booth, we can also jump on that topic. Yeah, that's that was something too. We'll talk about Phil. Um, there was so the ESPN stuff. I think I think was great. I think that they have the easier side of it, which is when you don't have a storyline to put a capper on. When you don't yeah. have to crown a champion, it is very easy to just show a bunch of shots from random people, which they did, which is great for us. And I and I do think and and Scott Van Pelt told us what the plan was before the week started he, he said like my my goal is to say as little as possible like i don't want to say anything i just want to watch golf shots and that's like exactly what they did and they bought into it and i thought it was really well done the the converse is they don't have to play the storyline game they don't have to crown yeah. anybody they don't have to follow these specific golfers so it's the easier side but i thought they did an excellent job i really enjoyed it yeah i got we got the we get the uh feature group coverage up here it was you know, standard feature group stuff, but yeah, that you're, you're right about the, uh, the storyline at the end and trying to piece it all together where ESPN, they can just fire off shot after shot after shot. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, a little bit of both worlds. And then I just, I'll guess I'll fire up the Mickelson takes. I, I was actually talking to a buddy from work about this. I don't, I don't remember a single thing Nick Faldo added to the commentary until Mickelson showed up and they got kind of were jabbing back and forth, but when Mickelson was in there, maybe it was the fact that it was new and it was exciting, but like I was, I was tuned in to what he was offering from the, you know, from a analytic side of it, I guess it obviously benefited from playing the course, but like when he was talking about how Tong Lee's chip, like he was saying, like, you see that light grass that's in, into the grain or whatever it was in the, in the dark. So he's got his like into the grain chip. He's just going to play as like a low skipper into the green. And it's like that type of stuff just makes that shot so much more interesting than just, you know, Anything that Faldo, I think, could ever. So Phil, Phil is awesome in general. So he was obviously awesome in the booth. But I, you, you nailed it, Eric. It is there is no other sport that you can get a competitor who just played on the same playing surface in the same field of competition as the guys we're watching right now and come and provide insight to it. That that doesn't yeah. happen. We're not taking NBA players off the court and having them talk about the game that they were just playing in. Like that is a rare opportunity in golf that I I think could be very interesting and I don't know how they do it, right? Because guys are, you kind of have to be out of contention or you have to miss the cut, but like, wouldn't you love to hear some more of these guys come from playing the course, whether they went out early or they missed the cut, hang around for a day, maybe on Saturday, you do a little bit of coverage. I don't know how it would work, but it is a rare opportunity to get this level of insight that I thought was awesome. It would be, it's tough because a lot of these guys are probably not born to be in the booth or born for a microphone in front of their face. Like there's going to be a very select few of those guys. And Mickelson's probably the top dog in that regard. Um, Spieth, Spieth actually provided a nice little nugget in his post round interview, just saying like, you know, these, this, this course is gettable on the back nine, look for someone to go out and try and maybe shoot 30. And like, I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm going to start looking for this. Cause um, if, if Spieth just played it, said that you can make runs, you can make Eagles or whatever. And, and then more cow went out and shot 31. So he set the table a little bit, which I thought was cool. Even just anything for us to give, you know, to get us excited or to give us a little bit of uh, insight as to how it might play or expectations for the rest of the day. I think 
um, any sort of that type of stuff can help make the the viewing experience better. But yeah, Mickelson definitely benefited from having just played the course. But I think he did a me and along with everyone else in the world, I thought he did a, a fantastic job and just very entertaining. And and one day maybe Mickelson will be you know everyone was comparing him to Tony Romo, and I think I think Mickelson is trying to beat Tony Romo because he was. He was uh, trying to call some shots, trying to call like you know how how Tong's gonna go out and make a birdie on the next hole, and then I think he put it in the rough, probably made bogey. But like, yeah, Mickles was like, ah, I should probably step away from uh, making predictions out here because I'm gonna make myself look like an idiot. Romo, uh, Romo's much better at calling. I was gonna say we might see more Romo in the booth, but I guess the NFL is rolling on. It's college football that is in the midst of it right now. And like every time I refresh Twitter, another conference has uh, said we're not playing this year. So we, we might we might have an influx of uh, new commentators to other sports in the next few months. Again, one another reason why I consider myself lucky that we cover golf. Imagine being a, like a college football reporter right now is just brutal news. I mean, I've got I've got a lot of buddies in the industry, like in the ticketing side, that uh, like I don't know what's going to happen, man. Especially with, like no fans was already bad enough. Oh. No sports is uh, not not good. So I don't yeah. I don't know what the, I I imagine are they coming out and I don't know if you've been following this. Like I think they're going to say it's postponed instead of canceled, right? Where they're going to try to yeah. play it in the spring or something. I've, I've, what, from what I've read, it just seems like, yeah, they're trying to push it back to the spring, which makes sense. Yeah. This is, we saw this in golf too. Like people don't want to drop the, the cancel word. That's a pretty definitive statement. So postpone for as much as, as long as you can and hope, uh, hope things get better in the, in the near future. It would probably be a pretty tough sell though, to say let's postpone to spring 2021 and also play in fall of 2021. And we care about player safety. Uh, that's probably those two statements probably don't go together yeah, all so gonna, well. So they're, they're going to have, have some for not caring about the players too much. Yeah. There's going to be a PR, uh, a PR nightmare to be had. If that happens, I think, um, Wyndham championship. This week, the Webb Simpson Open. This was kind of the natural resting point. Final final event of the PGA Tour regular season. Playoffs starting next week. So uh, we got a couple of guys here. You know, Webb's here. Brooks is here. Uh, Patrick Reed is here. But uh, this, this is the one week a year, Eric, the one week a year where that little red, green, yellow FedEx Cup ranking that we have seen all year long actually matters because i hate seeing that they show that at like safeway and i'm like come on we're like nine months away from this mattering now it actually does so this is actually the fun part of it i mean i'm more interested in the wyndham rewards race i get those top 10 bonus points come on i know jt's already locked up the two million dollar bonus wyndham cannot be happy that their two million dollar purse has already been distributed uh and and the number one guy doesn't even even need to show up they are not getting their money's worth for this sponsorship and probably should bow out ASAP. But um, yeah, the uh, finally we understand what a FedEx cup point is means is it what it is in quantity to, you know, someone else. Like, I don't know what a hundred, hundred FedEx cup points. I don't know if that's a lot or a little, um, but, <laughs> but it is, it's fun to, it is fun to track the 125 bubble and see who, cause uh, you know, there's always that one bubble guy. And I think last year was like Richie Rowinski. So, I uh, obviously a winner now, but it is, it is fun to track that. No, I also liked it from the fact that like, you know, these guys are battling for tour cards. It's unfortunate that this she- this season, they're, they're not really losing their status. They're just going to get reshuffled a little bit, but um, another, another fun storyline that it comes to the, uh, comes to an end this week. 
Uh, Charles Schwartzel currently in the 125 spot. Bronson Ooh. Burgoon in the 126 spot. So uh, that There's 124. That, 124 is Russell Knox. Uh, is Knox playing? I don't know. I've been looking over the you know the field list a lot. I, I I'm assuming he would. That would I, I'm assuming if you're anywhere within not. like the these you know ten spots in either direction and you are eligible to play, you are playing. I imagine. I mean, I would. I'm cruising. I'm cruising through the list right. Oh yeah, Knoxie's in the field. He's not missing the playoffs. Come on, that was. Sergio Garcia on the wrong side. He's 134th. Zach Johnson, 129th. He could have he could have gotten himself in with a better pro- he missed the cut last week. Yeah, that was a tough scene. Him and him and Martin Keimer ejected super hard. I you could ex- those expected those guys not to last too long. There's gonna be a uh there's gonna be some and every shot matters, right? That's what we always see. Someone will roll in a birdie late, that'll get him in. It'll be a lot of fun. Um who do you like this week? Yeah, I mean it's the Webb Simpson Open. He's absolutely dominated this, but like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to go out and say I like. Obviously, Webb is Webb's Webb. He's a bunch of. He, I'm sure this has been said on every podcast, every preview show, every. It's going to be on the broadcast. Webb's daughter is named Wyndham. That's correct. <laughs> if you if you're no if you don't listen to any other you know shows. Uh, you know, if you don't watch a second of the broadcast, you—that's what you've learned this week. Or there is uh, there's always the one thing, the one thing that they say about every player, which is oh, usually yeah, yeah. the number one item on PGA Tour, like on their player profile, like whatever that first interesting tidbit is. You know, who was the guy who got who proposed to his girlfriend at Harbor Town? Oh, I don't know that one. That's a good question. So when we were at Harbor Town, every time they showed a shot, uh, they mentioned the fact that he proposed proposed to his girlfriend on the 18th green. And oh, like, I there's there's like there's one thing about all of these guys. Brendan Todd, that's the full swing yips. We know he's come back from that. Uh, I mean, there's just like something specific about all of these guys. And the the web one you're going to hear fifty thousand times is that he <laughs> named his daughter Wyndham. Yeah, yeah. So I, I obviously a favorite. I'm uh, for some reason. I'm getting drawn towards Justin Rose and maybe it's because I, he played solid last week. A lot of it was putting, but the, you know, he rebounded pretty well with his approach game, but like Stenson's run one here, Sergio's one here. And for, for me personally, I just got to group those, those three in as like the same kind of guy. They're all like 40 year old Europeans who have been on a number of Ryder cup teams with uh, one major apiece. So it's like, those are like the same dudes. And I figure, I mean, if Rose wants to, keep up with Sergio and Stenson. He's got to, he's got to take down a Wyndham. Would you like to make Justin Rose your official pick for this week? Yeah, I guess we haven't done this in a while, but I, I'll, I'll take Rose. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to go back and find my other notebook and see where we're at and add them all up. All right. So you'll take Rosie. I'm going to take Brendan Todd, the Todd father. Todd, man. Ah, oh, I did this. I did this two weeks ago at the FedEx. It's a tough roller coaster. I actually think this might be one of the better spots for him all year. Just with the, He's allergic to three wins. He's had an opportunity a few times. He's not going to get the three wins. Well, I mean, who is? Who's got three wins? JT's got three. That's it. Morikawa could get there, but like, I get now that conversation. The player of the year conversations between Morikawa and JT. I think. Okay, so who is it? Right I now, right now. If we're voting right now, why? Uh, just three wins compared to two. Do you care that his three wins are all? small field no cut events so he won fedex st jude he won the tournament of champions does that count and he won cj cup 
Holy smokes, the CJ Cup. That was what, 2017? That was, uh, yeah, 30 years ago he won the CJ Cup. I, I, I don't, I, uh, yeah, you, you're stumping me there. Like last year, they proved that, uh, you know, majors don't matter as much. Uh, but what if there's only one major? Wow. The FedEx Cup is a major. They're just going to give it to whoever wins the FedEx Cup, I think. I think. <laughs> okay, remember? Okay, so if the FedEx Cup started uh, right now. Let me. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. So JT would start minus 10, right? Morikawa would start minus 8. That would be great. And then I think it goes minus 7 for Webb, minus 6 for Bryson. Sungjae, who needs he needs the strokes right now, uh, would be, I think, 5 under and then, like, I forget how they do it. Where's a couple guys Bodden are four. He's, he's, he's ninth. Oh, so if he wins this week, he'll be, like, two. If he wins this week, he'll, he'll get, what, 500 FedEx Cup points, so he'll have well, 1,800. He'll be, he'll be basically third, depending on what Webb does. Then he, ha- then, he ha- then he has to hold that spot through the next two playoff events as well. And like those those points are worth a lot more, right? Yeah, the, play- the playoffs get jacked up. They're, 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 like, four times as much. Okay, well... I mean, Todd, if Todd is going to reassert himself into the player of the year conversation, he needs to take this one down. I mean, I don't mind it. It just, yeah, those 54 hole stumbles at the Travelers WGC. It's, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just a, a little, little hitch in his game. I was just going to say, uh, so the PGA Tour, our, our friends over at their social account, they, and this isn't personally verified by me. I Maybe I should have done this before, but I do trust Ben Coley. Uh, he retweeted a, a a tweet from them saying here are Morikawa's best shots from this season. And none of them were from the PGA championship. I just found that. I think it's because, uh, that's PGA of America, right? Like, okay. I so know, like, but like it said 27 pro starts. He has 28 because he played in Japan. Um, and then just the fact like you can't say, you can't say these are the best shots of his season and not include any of them from the PGA championship that just happened. Like those are so fresh in people's minds. Like don't ignore them. I just show it just from, just say these are his best shots from the PGA tour this year. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's, it's not a good look. So usually when you go to the YouTube or uh, for, for like the PGA tours, YouTube, and it says the best shots of so-and-so's career or the best, it usually says non-majors next to it because they don't have the rights to show yeah. the major stuff, which is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> They, I, they have to figure out a way to work that in. Like, it just, just ignoring them is interesting. But like, yeah, figure like the hit more cow's best shot this year is sixteen. Just show that shot. Like, we know what it is. Just show it ten times. Those are his ten best shots. There, I've, I've done the work for you, Eric right, Patterson. Go what? give me, give me what we thought we were doing the sleepers. Oh, uh, Dylan Fratelli. Okay, Dylan uh, Fratelli has been awesome from tee to green. He is. Uh, playing he's got like uh, back-to-back top 25s until last week he finished t33 he can win dylan fratelli john deere classic narrative crossover event uh, i'm going uh i wasn't on this guy for the last few weeks when people were on him but i'm gonna go with uh, henrik norlander the big swede do you know have you seen a picture of norlander before uh yeah he's, he's like, like the blonde blonde kid right oh uh, he's just like so okay, so how old do you think Norlander is? Oh God, uh, I don't know. I thought he was like twenty-four, thirty-three. I was stunned. He looks like he's twenty-four. He's got like a baby face, kind of like pudgy, not like just. But he's born in eighty-seven. I was stunned, dude. I was born in eighty-eight. So yeah, he's got you. He's got your beat. Oh man, uh... yeah, it's funny. Everyone thinks he's a young up-and-comer or like kind of fresh face guy, but yeah, 
Norlander is a veteran. Wow. All right. That's pretty good. Um, what do you got going on at the score? I, I broke down a, you know, most of the listeners or viewers will know who Morikawa is, but I had fun yesterday just talking about how quickly he's uh, risen to number five in the world, just going through his, you know, some of his, my favorite quotes of his about how he's rebounded type that type of stuff and just how he is probably the next big star in golf. And I don't even think that's recency bias talking. I think there's a lot of people on board with that even before his PGA championship win. So definitely uh, an, a fun article I, I put together yesterday that people can go check out if they uh, want to just kind of relive Morikawa's quick rise to the top uh, to number five in the world, I guess, so far. There you go. Epat, thanks for joining me, dude. Appreciate it. Eric Patterson of The Score. You can find him on Twitter at EpatGolf. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been 300 Yards to Unknown. Catch you next time.